Zach Strickland uh, here at Freight Waves and talking to you about the freight market and the economy and all the global supply chain uh, fallouts <laughs> that happen, uh, you know, February 8th, if you're listening to us live. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy that it's already February. And, yeah. And not even just February. It's that we're a full week into the month already. And it's like... February it, flies. But... Well, it should. It's the shortest <laughs> month, but it like, well, this week felt like a long time, yeah. just considering it's Thursday, but it feels like it very well could be Friday. But yeah. I mean, overall, it's still one of those times. Well, it's this time of year traditionally for transportation is very slow. Yep. Like, and and we're, you know, we've actually seen lots of activity, mm -hmm. and there's been a lots of storylines, thanks to some pretty negative stories, but. It's uh, it's still like more active than I think we're traditionally accustomed to. I mean, Kevin Hill used to chat about how cat memes were kind of like what you did yeah. back in the day in transportation is you sat around and you made memes <laughs> and because there just wasn't that much activity. Yeah. Now, I, I think that's still true to the extent that the freight market is still very much in a recessive state mm -hmm. or it will feel it feels like a very recessive state especially to the 3PLs of the world and the carriers yeah and you look at it i mean you, like you said i mean at the end of the day it is it is still february and and the market moves in these cycles and uh it's one of those you see it you see it every year it's just the level of activity relative to other Februarys, yeah. I think is where you need to, or Januarys is well, where you need to measure it, not relative to what we just came off of. You know, and that's the, the challenge that happens. You know, we can put this in context with a quick Mark marketing to update here, because I think this is really what tells the story. If you want to go ahead and just kick us off and All count right. me in. Zach, are you ready in three, two, one? All right, let's get things started. So normally I show the OTVI. This is the contract load accepted volume. This is its cousin. It only has accepted volumes accounted for in this. And I think this is a much better index to look at from a historical standpoint, year over year over year over year. Uh, you've got the last five years on there, the most recent one in white. You can see that it is outperforming, clearly outperforming 2020 in blue, 2019 in orange, and last year in the light colored blue. But it's not that far away from where we were in 2021, which is hard for a lot of people to understand. Of course, 2021, we had heightened rejection rates. 20% of them were getting rejected. Theoretically, we were at a limit, uh, but they were coming down in January. The market was cooling in January before the winter storm event hit Texas. Uh, but if you look at this, we're, the man side is not that bad. We still, I know we've said that over and over every week, and, and I continue to say that that the demand side characteristics were not slumping. We've grown year over year significantly, and it still seems to be trending in a positive direction. Let's go to the next slide here, or chart, I should say. Uh, NTIL versus OTRI. Uh, spot rates without fuel 
and the tender rejection index. We're finally seeing some, you know, downward trend, what I would consider the winter weather event in January, uh, polar vortexing, if you will, through the middle part of the country. Again, an eastern half really disrupted a lot of freight movement and networks. Rejection rates now coming back down, as well as spot rates in general. Let's go to the next chart here. Uh, RTI versus Rotri, the refrigerated side of things, refrigerated spot rates, still a little bit sticky. And this is important because we are about to head into the start of produce seasons. And the refrigerated side is still showing a level of stickiness, even though rejection rates are starting to fall a little bit. Last but not least, the carrier details uh, chart here showing capacity leaving 12% faster than it was this time last year, Tony. That is <laughs> That's a good, and that's the good sign, right? I mean, it's let's a, stick that chart back yeah, up there. That chart uh, is. Let's talk about this one for just a second because this is the one that gets. You know, I was at Manifest this week mm-hmm. and a conference out in Las Vegas, and this, of course, is what's top of mind for most transportation service mm-hmm. providers. How quickly are we seeing capacity exit the space? Now, this is trucking authorities. Uh, that Carrier Details is doing a little bit extra work on, making sure that it's more relevant, more clean than the than the pure raw FMCSA data. Uh, but we're seeing, you see that line that I'm drawing there. It's a line that I've drawn from the same period last year, from about end of November till last week. Um, and it's falling 12% faster. Yeah, and the the takeaway when I look at this, it's what the market needs. So it's moving. We we talked about it before. I mean, here, whether it was on freight waves now in the past, I mean, just wherever that capacity needs to leave the market. And we thought it would move, leave faster last year. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out it's leaving faster now than it was, which yeah. kind of makes sense yeah. where you have this slower, like the tail of this capacity leave is longer mm-hmm. than what many thought it would be. And I mean, I take that my takeaway is, if this continues to accelerate, which typically it doesn't, I mean, you it look at it, pick back up. Normally yeah. it does. You can see historically speaking every year, even when it's growing, it kind of lulls over the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it'll probably move closer to zero picks to, back up in, in, the spring. in the spring because I mean, there's just, there's more activity in the yeah. spring. Right. But I mean, I think the one key takeaway is you is look there? at that loaded. Will ex- there be this year? Well, that's, It feels like there will be. (laughs) And I only say that because if you look at import, upstream import demand, right? Looking at, I know we'll talk about it maybe here in a little bit, but Mm -hmm. you start looking at what's coming from China, U.S. Yes, Lunar New Year starts on Saturday. Yeah. But that uptick leading into it is quite strong uh, in goods coming and TEU volumes coming from China, the U.S. That's eventually going to flow into the domestic transportation market. You go and look at where, I mean, it's really going to benefit the West Coast. And I say that because, one, Panama Canal water levels so far this year Mm -hmm. have starting out even lower than where they were last year. They're projected to fall because it's the beginning or the midpoint of their dry season, right? Right. It goes through May. So what you're, you're in this predicament that water levels are falling there. And then obviously the Red Sea impacts, you've got the way it, it sets up as the West Coast basically to to drive some of this. And the to, West Coast to, volume. I mean, Craig and I talked about this on the last state of freight. Like mm-hmm. when the West Coast is active, it stretches capacity. Yeah. You know, we, we, you know, you have like when there's not a lot of West Coast activity, 
carrier networks can kind of condense. And they condense on the eastern on the half, eastern of, the half of the country. Where have rejection rates remained high over the last, you know, couple of months that really shouldn't be? And that's the Pacific Northwest. Yes. Like, I mean, I know they've had some weather there as well. And that impacts the, of course, the I-90, I-80 corridors. But it's still an area of the country that carriers don't pay attention to, especially this time of year. So yeah. it leaves an area that has not a lot of freight very exposed to disruption. Absolutely. I would even argue that West Coast, Southern California rejection rates are elevated. Mm-hmm. They're at 4% or whatever, but that's high relative, relative to where high, they yeah. were. <laughs> so I think that's the, like, you can, it kind of goes into that. Mm-hmm. You can see, and then you look at Atlanta, Dallas, Chicago. I mean, Chicago, we can make the argument it's still the hottest market relative to a market of its size. I mean, Harrisburg, all of these markets on the eastern half, mm-hmm. rejection rates are low relative to where they would, or I should say low. They're higher than where they were last year, right. but they're not as high as they are in Southern California relative to where they were last year. Sure. If that makes sense. Yes. So, so it's, we're, we're still, we're seeing kind of these burgeoning like force mm-hmm. in the freight market. It's not dramatic. The winter weather stuff we all know is kind of fleeting. Yep. Uh, but, it's still telling, mm-hmm. but the trend line of the rejection rate kind of bottom end is still up and to the right. Yeah. Like if you were to draw a line underneath the rejection rate bottoms over the last six months, it's going higher. Mm-hmm. Maybe from three to three and a half percent higher, but it's still trending slowly higher. And that's what that capacity exodus actually Does. should be doing. The yeah. problem with this is <laughs> that later in the year, <laughs> once like, you see how capacity has not responded at all to yeah. a pretty good January. We saw yeah. spot rates, uh, you, you know, the chart that I showed you of NTIL versus yeah. OTRI. Spot rates and rejection rates were higher than they were over Christmas. Yes. That should have, yeah, we go ahead and pull that up. Uh, spot rates right there in the white line, NTIL, higher than the Christmas peak at the end of January because of winter weather. It tender, doesn't happen. Yeah, tender rejection rates were not at quite as high, but... This is like this is a sign that this this market is is ripe for disruption at some point, and this is still early. And we released a white paper. I think it's out now. Uh, but we surveyed a bunch of shippers, mm-hmm. and effectively, I think more than half of them were not taking anything to mitigate any risk in their transportation networks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were logging in rates now. Yeah. There, and I think that's. That just kind of highlights that they're not prepared for this any is, disruption. And I think that if they're not preparing for the disruption, it, we saw what happened in 2020. Yes, it was an outside event that, yeah. that caused it to the extreme that it did. Here's, 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 the, here's the bottom line. Here's, the, here's what the takeaway is for any kind of transportation manager, transportation management company, shipping, whatever. Uh, you are always going to pay attention to the near-term stuff and you have had a pretty easy go of it for a long period of time. Yeah. On the other side of that equation, that side has not had an easy go of it. And that has forced them into aggressive bidding practices. Mm -hmm. So I understand that it isn't a problem until it's a problem. And a lot of employees are not incentivized to address future problems. They're just not. And that's something that companies, I think, around everywhere need to address. We have become very 
short-term centric as a society. Uh, and, and it's, it's part of our, a lot of corporate cultures to kind of just say, what's my next six months look like? Yeah. Uh, six to nine months, you know, and I know forecasts are a little messy, but if you're not preparing, if you don't see the writing on the wall with what we're saying, carriers bid the market they're in. In 12-month cycles, that's not a very, that's actually over the last three to four years, that's been a very bad practice Yeah, outside of last year. <laughs> uh, but even you could argue last year, you could have actually achieved some further rate decreases and ridden it. Mm-hmm. So, the argument here is that there is there is a big kind of incentive for you to have a little bit more flexibility in your transportation management practices, yep. even though everybody's kind of falling back into this old school, old world, pre-COVID mentality of everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just like you said, everything's fine until it's not, yep. and then you deal with it. But it, the thing is, it can happen with the snap of the fingers. And yep. I think that's the part that, if you're not, I mean, you would think your transportation network or management teams need to ask it, act as risk mitigators and not, yeah. and in this market right now where you're still searching for risks or not searching for rate reductions or, and letting carriers basically bid to the floor, yeah. you're not mitigating any risk, right? right? You're you're taking effectively you're taking on more risk well, at that time. You know, dynamic pricing models were a thing in COVID. Now they've yeah. kind of fallen back a little bit. But I did. I will say this: at Manifest, I got a lot of questions around index link contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it sounds like it's a complicated thing. <laughs> it's basically a fuel surcharge for your uh, transportation yeah. <laughs> at a lane level potentially or or whatever. But at the same time, you know that there is. A concern, a growing concern for future volatility, mm-hmm. uh, because those that type of pricing moves with the market. Yep, and that what that's what hedges you from that exposure to being on the bottom of route guides from a shipping perspective. Because if you're taking December rates of 2023 and applying them to say September of this year, the market may not support those rates any longer yep. at that point in time. Especially if we have something like a hurricane or, or something crazy going through economic demand or whatever. But I do want to talk about the economy a little bit here because they're still, and this is, I think, surprising, the economy still doing really well. Uh, you know, the jobs market's super hot. <laughs> 353,000 jobs added in January. Uh, professional and business services leading the way with 74,000 of those. Healthcare coming in second with 70K. Then he had retail actually coming in third. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's yeah. one of those, like, you look at it, and until that jobs market slows mm-hmm. down to some degree, you're you're yeah. not going to, and there's no rate cut coming in March. Yeah. It wasn't, I don't think it was a surprise. One, given no. you see, what was it, in December's inflation numbers were higher than expected. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's nothing crazy. The labor market's still incredibly strong. Those two things need to slow down, right? right? Because ultimately, what you when you cut rates, it is a demand driver. It will push prices back up. It will encourage continued hiring, right? Because so it's one of those things. It's I think the key takeaway is you look at the labor force participation rate. It's about sixty two and a half, right? It's up from bottoming, but <laughs> we have the, in twenty twenty, but. 
it's still, still low. low. Yeah. But you also have an aging population in the US. Mm-hmm. So that now that number should naturally you would think it would decline to some degree. Uh, but it's still low. It means people are still not jumping back in there. Like no, they were. I mean, I think uh, the the pre-COVID high was sixty three and a half ish percent. Um, yeah, so, and again, this feels like small percent. But when you're talking about these large amount of numbers, I mean, again, yeah, you're talking <laughs> this a percent move here and there. I mean, we bottomed at sixty point two percent in COVID, and I think it was April of twenty twenty when everybody was furloughed. Yeah. Um, it, it like so that's <laughs> like. Yeah, from there's your range, 60 60 to 62 and uh, 63 and a half percent is kind of your range. And we're sitting just above the midway point. Yeah, (laughs) it's one of those. The economy seems like it's on better footing than wages. Wages are up up, four and a half percent, which is good. I mean, it's they're higher than what the rate of inflation is, which is a positive sign to. And I think that's why you probably see demand stronger than what we probably argued throughout. Or what I mean, we thought it would be, where we saw this growth transportation, transportation has been in a recession, still very slow environment. But a lot of these other sectors, healthcare, professional and business services, that's, that's. I mean, we're a service economy, but that's still kind of like a shocking number. Yeah. I think the average growth rate in 2023 was around uh, 20 to 30K. Yeah. So, um, so we're well above that. That's a spike uh, for that sector. Healthcare also overachieved, I believe. Uh, another is probably another... 30,000 above average yeah. or 2023 average, but healthcare not going away. No. <laughs> um, Arguably coming, becoming more important. Yeah. As you just said, the aging population. So uh, a couple of stories to, to chat about here. We're hitting Chinese New Year. Like you said, February 10th, Lunar New Year or the Spring Festival, as they call it. JP, John Paul Hampstead, happy to see him throwing an article out here on FreightWaves.com. Uh, does a really good job of conveying a lot of things very for people like me to understand. <laughs> uh, so the the premise of this article, China's economy is struggling. Yes. we I think we have an immigration situation actually in the United States because there's record numbers of uh, Chinese immigrants flooding in to the Texas border. <laughs> um, but so you know things are kind of rough over there right yeah. now. Uh, and... However, imports, if we pull up the chart of the in, inbound ocean tea use volume index from China to the United States, we're right in line with where we were in the COVID era. Yeah. And that, like, that's what? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't think that. I, I mean, you start looking, we talked about it here. I mean, and then you can look at it. It's lagged. The inventory to sales are still historically low. Mm-hmm. That ratio is still historically low. It's this, from a perspective it's interesting when you think about it from an importer perspective mm-hmm. right you're mm-hmm. seeing the economy slow in china i mean what the, the is it the hong kong exchange like there's a risk of like a market crash and like it's like this this dichot- like this weird dynamic that goes on because from an importer perspective you want their economy to be relatively strong because you need to continue to manufacture things right and you also need demand here to be relatively strong. Well, now one of those things is kind of slipping. Yeah. But you're also in this process of nearshoring, moving manufacturing back. Which is slow. It's, it's not this very, yeah, it's a very slow process. It's like this whole driver, and then you see demand still strong, right? It's this, the market's doing declining. Mm-hmm. But import or exports effectively from there 
still relatively strong. It's it's funny how it how it ultimately is, plays out. You look at, I mean, Descartes put out their uh, January import numbers, and they're like well above where they were last year, well above oh, yeah. 2019. Like, yeah, it's a demand. The, it's not a demand problem here. No. Here, and I think that's where this highlights yeah. too. According to the Port of Los Angeles Port Optimizer, Week Six TEU volumes were up 38.6 percent compared to the same week last year. Yep. So 105,000 TEUs versus 75,000 or almost 76,000 TEUs last year for that same week. And the IOTI, absolutely, you know, and again, we were in this period of time, and this is not measuring customs as they hit the ports. This is the bookings as they're leaving leaving. (laughs) the ports. uh, That's why you're seeing this upward movement, right? This is all, the spike is, of course, due to Lunar New Year, uh, I mean, yeah, you look forward. at the the ramp on yeah. each year, you can see it. It lines up almost identical. The question is going to be how much of this is a pull forward mm-hmm. versus how much is this true demand? And then when we come back from it or back from the lunar year, because you will see a dip like mm-hmm. you have every other year. What does it look like on the other side of that? I think that's going to be the more telling. So this tells me a few things. One is that importers are very optimistic (laughs) about their demand situation. But two, their inventory levels are also much tighter than they were. (laughs) Uh, And I think this is, this this is kind of a two headed, uh, you know, double edged sword here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like one is, okay, so their forecasts basically are being more optimistic. The economy is supporting this as well. What has happened already supports this. (laughs) So, a lot of people have some built-up optimism. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that the freight market should eventually kind of feel that pressure. <laughs> uh, so demand is not, it doesn't look like that's going away. Mm-hmm. The capacity as it continues to erode is going to fall down. Um, and that momentum is just not slowing. Yeah, Supply moves so much slower. Well, yeah, it goes into the chart we talked about, I think, mm-hmm. last week, that mm-hmm. carrier details total trucking authorities mm-hmm. versus the outbound tender volume index, that gap mm-hmm. between the two, you can see how it lagged yeah. that capacity was to leave the market. The point I've been trying to in the past few months is those numbers don't have to cross to be felt. No, it, What you need to be feeling is capacity leaving the market and demand increasing. It doesn't matter if they cross. It's that the perception. Yeah. yeah, it's as they come together, it's going to feel a lot tighter than it is the problem is they will cross over at one point and it's how long it does will it go through it unless demand subsequently falls too. And it yeah. doesn't look that like exactly. that's going to happen. Yep. Now, I think the, the other takeaway here is that I don't foresee a lot of demand side spikes in the future. So this, the disruptions are purely going to come from the supply side, which unfortunately for a lot of people out there will be completely opaque. It's <laughs> the harder side to forecast you or cannot, plan for because you can't see it. Yeah, there's. There's too many, the market is too fragmented yep. to to come to any, I mean, this is where the tender rejection index can sh- can signal these changes yeah. better than, so, you know, uh, being able to, the true capacity metrics. Oh, 100%. You'll see it early with the tender rejection rates. There are already signals there, especially from the refrigerated yep. side. Uh, the last story I kind of want to hit here, XPO shares jump 18% on big Q4. LTL, of course, XPO, the old uh, con... Conway, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, LTL provider uh, that's now kind of on its own again. Um, and they overachieved uh, yeah. expectations. LTL as a sector has been overachieving because of Yellow's exit. 
Uh, I think that's well documented here. But Todd does, uh, Todd Maiden, who writes this article, does a great job of pointing out some of the specifics. Some of my takeaways from this pricing, absolutely not a problem in LTL. We saw it at Old Dominion, we saw it with Saya. Everybody is making more per shipment in general. Um, their tonnage is up. So a lot of these volumes are getting disseminated effectively from the yellow. So they're getting support there. They're getting a boost from pricing, support from volume. This They may be able to skip right through. LTL may have just skipped right through a freight recession environment, yep. uh, especially in the national carry level. Now, my one big concern. Now, I want to read a few quotes here. Indications from XBO's customers suggest demand will be flat to up in the first half of 2024, what we just talked about. Even more optimism for the back half, CEO Mario Harik said on Wednesday's call of analysts. Pricing on contractor noodles was 9% higher year over year for a second straight quarter. So pricing, not a problem, like we yep. said. Here's my concern. Purchase transportation expenses as a percentage of revenue were down 270 basis points. Guess who's also addicted to the truckload environment? LTL carriers. LTL carriers. Their purchase transportation expense is going down because the truckload market is recessive. I'm going to watch this one in the future because that is the, I think, the one big risk to LTL in the future. Now, my question would be, they're outsourcing less. They are outsourcing less. Which is a positive, which should be a positive to help boost that number and limit their exposure maybe to the... Yeah, this is definitely not me saying I have concerns about XPO in general. I'm saying they're doing the right things by reducing their exposure to this purchase transportation. However... Do they have the capacity to surge and flex? That, yeah, <laughs> that, that'll be the question. It's not going to be a question just for them. It's going to be a question across the LTL yeah. market as a whole, I would say. So I, th- I think we're still on this wave of optimism. I, I think I'm right there with it. Uh, I think we see the economy and freight market continue this trend for a bit. I don't see a reason to doubt it, do you? Not yet. So, But we won't until something tells us to. <laughs> yeah, I know. Buckle up. Have a great week.